Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, can I can I sing a little karaoke real quick? I just sing some karaoke. I, I, need to, I need to turn my video off though, so I'm not embarrassed. Are you ready for this? Sweet, sweet, sweet victory. As Andy Dufresne in Shawshank Redemption pulled himself out of the mud, the muck, and the literal excrement, it was symbolic of new beginnings, of hope, of literally his undying, unwavering faith that one day he would be a free man again. One day he would escape the evil that had been befallen him. A seemingly innocent man enters and exits a tunnel full of shit crawls hundreds of feet through the said shit, comes out on the other side and rain falls upon him, rinsing him, cleansing him of years of injustice, of inequity, of pain, of disheartenment. Tonight, as I walked out of the KFC Yum Center, I felt the same. The rain fell upon me, washing me of literally 300 days of Louisville basketball not winning a game, washing me, cleansing me of the pain that had befallen all of us, those who, of us who had not given up hope, but had been thoroughly, thoroughly frustrated. Just like Andy, I crawled out of that tunnel of shit, and we're on the other side. We're on the other side, one and nine, but God damn, does it feel good. Jacob Blaine, Presley Meyer, we're here starting 502 Podcast. I cannot wait to talk about this team. I can't wait to talk about the performance that we saw tonight because entering this game, I went to a bar. I sat with my brother and his buddy. Uh, we sat among dozens and dozens of WKU fans. The, the vibe was Western Kentucky all the way. I think that everybody in that arena thought that WKU was going to win and probably cover. They're a great team. Shadon Sharp. Is, is that his name? No, no, that was the guy that played at Kentucky. Yeah, that, well, Jamarian Sharp. Jamarian Sharp. Jamarian Sharp of Western Kentucky, seven foot five center. There are a number of players on this Western Kentucky team who are very, very solid. They got a, a, a transfer from Davidson who was on track to break Steph Curry's record from three point range. A guy's been playing college basketball for 14 seasons. You can't convince me otherwise. There was no hope entering this game. I came as a fan as, and as a supporter. 
And if we lost by 20, I was prepared to come in and talk about that. But Louisville basketball comes out victorious and in convincing fashion against a WKU squad that after the first nine games of the season, they had no business beating, but they did. And they did it in a way that, that I will never forget for the rest of my life. It was a fantastic game. Um, I sat among a, a multitude of fans that couldn't believe their eyes, Louisville and WKU fans alike. Uh, and it was, it was fantastic. Jacob, I'll bring you in here. Uh, just immediate takeaways. I mean, I, I think both of us are shocked. I think that's the, that's the first takeaway. Uh, but, but what's your, what's your immediate thoughts as somebody who is kind of watching from the sidelines and, and what, what do you, what do you think? Well, can I, can I sing a little karaoke real quick? I just sing some karaoke. I need to to turn my video off though. So I'm not embarrassed. Are you ready for this? Swing, sweet, sweet victory. Was that a SpongeBob? Yeah, bro. The freaking bubble bowl. Isn't that what it was called? The bubble bowl? The, yeah, the mega fucking, bubble bowl? You just brought the bubble bowl to our podcast. I love that. Dude, that's like I the song I, you need to intro the pod to. But I feel I feel amazing uh, because if they had lost tonight, I would have not been pleased. But um, the effort was there. Uh, the energy from the team was there. Everything that you would want and, and expect from Louisville basketball was there. Um, and if you watched, there was a different – just a different demeanor, a different sense of urgency, a different um, desire to want to do the little things to win tonight. Uh, second half, a little sketchy. Brandon Huntley, Hatfield, buddy. We need to have a conversation about how we play defense in the second half when the game's on the line. But uh, other than that, I'm ecstatic. Uh, it's a win over Western Kentucky. It's one win, the first win of the season. Cal, I believe, is now the only winless team in the country. So uh, good luck. Bears, we're out there rooting for you. I'm just pleased with the effort that they got tonight um, from each member that stepped on the floor. Um, We're going to get into the specifics of it, but I think they figured a couple of things out, including most notably the rotation. I want to talk a little bit about that tonight. Um, I think there was a lot of things that stood out as being different Presley, but uh, overall, before we dive into that, I just, you got to applaud the way that these guys have fought back and, I know this culture building and foundation building and all these, these, um, these different phrases that Kenny Payne has used can come off as corny when you're zero and zero and nine. Uh, but I, I truly believe that he has been doing the best he can to change these kids' mentality uh, and uh, get them to understand. And tonight's press conference, last thing I'll say here, and I'll hand it back to you to kind of break the game down was. Um, he told them and specifically addressed how important it was to play for the University of Louisville. He talked about coming back to the city and uh, playing at the Yum Center is a it's a privilege. It's a it's an absolute privilege to play in front of the Louisville fan base because of how energetic and how excited and how smart about basketball they are. Uh, he applauded the fans for continuing to show up and continuing to be there and be present and push this team. Uh, but he told those guys, do not take that for granted. They expect energy and effort and hard work. They do not care about anything else other than the fact that you come ready to play. Obviously, they want to see a win, but it's all about the effort and the way that you carry yourself on the floor. Uh, and we've talked about this on the football podcast quite a bit. And we've talked about this just in general over the last few years. There's a certain demeanor, a certain uh, work ethic, a certain just ruggedness that a Louisville fan has that they expect their teams to embody. And this team all season through the first nine games has not embodied that for maybe more than about, I don't know, 20 minutes of of total basketball, maybe 30, 40 minutes of total basketball out of all the games they've played. Tonight was a a, a kind of turning point and a confidence builder, I think, for this team to see what that felt like to play with energy and be rewarded with your team winning by what they won by 11, I think, tonight. So 
I'm over the moon. I'm happy for him, but uh, they got to get back to work. Chance for a three-game winning streak, maybe even a four-game winning streak with uh, NC State right before Kentucky. Uh, so here we go. Let's see what they can do. I, I was looking through the the, the uh, schedule, and I think there's an opportunity to turn things around, but there's also an opportunity to just keep falling flat on their face. Uh, and the worst team in college basketball comes into the, the arena at KFCM Center on Saturday. So quick turnaround, better get, be able to get it together and come back out and continue playing like that. To be quite frank with you, Jacob, I think that what we've been trying to eloquate on this podcast, on social media, most fans in general, I think the consensus was that, yes, 0-9 is is pathetic. It's not acceptable. It should never be acceptable in this program. But if they were losing close games or they were losing games in which every player on the team showed that they truly cared that they, 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 they truly understood their opportunity and they were doing their best to put their best foot forward and, and win games, people would have been mad. People would have been upset. Uh, many people still would have been calling for Kenny Payne's head. A, a lot of that still would have been going down. But people would understand. I think that people can understand when you're truly trying, when you're truly, truly, genuinely trying, when you're leaving it all on the floor, when you're diving for balls, when you are giving your all to get a rebound, when you are, you know, when you're just doing the little things that, that Louisville had not done, uh, I think that people can understand. They'll, they'll be upset. They're going to say it's not acceptable, but they will understand. To this point, until the, until the Western Kentucky game, nobody could be understanding of what was going on within this program. It was something sinister. It was something – it seems like there's more to the story than just just playing bad basketball. There was no effort. There was no communication. There was no just hustle. It was just bad. It was just, it was like, it looked like Southeast Christian church, roll the ball out and let's play basketball. Like it, it was that bad. Like it looked like a, an open gym with a bunch of grown men or, you know, playing little kids. Like it just, it didn't, it didn't make sense. It was just, it was wrong. Um, and, you know, I, I, whatever clicked, whatever clicked between the Florida State game on, on Saturday and Louisville and Western Kentucky tonight, uh, it, it's, a, it's apparent that something has changed within the identity of this program. Is it for one game? It might be. I don't know, but at least for this one game, they understood what their identity should be, what they should be moving towards, what they should be pursuing. Um, and I, I think that I don't think that that will stop because they if you were in the crowd tonight, you understand, you know, Louisville fans are not dumb. Like Louisville fans are not were, would not have acted the way that they have. They wouldn't have reacted the way that they that they have. Uh, if if at least the team was trying, right? If the team was at least showing true, genuine, concerted effort. But there were games where they just gave up halfway through, where they were just yelling at each other, where it looked like even the coaching staff had given up on the team and they were just like, I can't wait to just get the hell out of here. Like there was so much going on behind the scenes. Clearly, like it was very clear that just there were many times where they just looked like they just did not want to be there tonight was not the case. And it was against a Western Kentucky team, frankly, who's pretty good. 
I mean, Western Kentucky was what eight and one coming into the game. Yeah, their mm-hmm. one loss of the year was to Akron. I think by they said by nineteen, uh, which is interesting. Yeah. And they won a lot of close games against pretty bad teams. Yeah, they they had, but it's a good it's a good squad. It's a squad that last year was last year wasn't good, but last year Louisville came in after spanking some pretty solid teams and got crushed by WKU. Yeah, so and the that, fact that, that, roster, that this team, yeah, the fact that this, I mean, the the roster is good. Yeah, no, look, I mean, just from a, a, an overall standpoint, when you look at it, they've got three, you know, four really solid transfers in uh, Jarius Hamilton, who played at BC uh, and then went to, uh, or went to Mar- was at Maryland, BC, and now at Western. You had Christian Lander, who obviously Louisville fans know really well, um, now at his second stop. And then Jamarian Sharp, who's, you know, a Juco All-American, a guy that, um, you know, played with Sidney Curry at John A. Logan and Luke Frampton we talked about. Um, and then Davion McKnight, who I tweeted like kind of half hard heartedly, but also kind of half serious, like, hey, uh, if you want to come back to Louisville and played at uh, I believe Collins High School, part yeah. of the Collins High School. Uh, if you want to come back to Louisville, buddy, there's a spot on the team next year for you. We can we can help secure an NIL deal if we need to. Mm-hmm. Uh, can we say that? Is that legal? Uh but we, I, we'll do our I, best. I think so. I don't, I don't know. know. We don't we, don't we just said it in jest. We weren't serious. Yeah, but uh that kid was unreal. Five offensive rebounds from a guard that size uh, just, it continued to, to shock me how he got the team back into the game late. Just, you know, Louisville would hit a three. Davey on night would come down he'd drive to the basket. He'd miss his shot, get his own rebound, put it right back up for a layup or, you know, whatever the case was, he, he was making all the plays. Um, and he seems like a guy that could take a step up at the next level. And considering he's from Louisville, you know, and I know we love our Louisville guys, JJ trainer, shout out to him tonight. Uh, I know he's a Bardstown, Bardstown guy, but, uh, how about that putback dunk in the second half? I mean, that's the type of stuff tonight that's a game changer, dude. Just little things like that. And Kenny, Kenny talked about that um, within his press conference quite a bit of just being able to understand the little things, the energy, not taking your foot off of the pedal when you think you have the chance to win or when you are winning. Um, and the other thing that's really funny, and I don't know what you th- – I'll ask you what you think winning smells like, I guess. But he said, I want these guys to smell it. What's it smell like in here? What's the what's the vibe in this room? What do you – what did you see? What did you smell? What did you taste? Do you want to remember that for winning? So I ask you, what did you smell tonight? Was it was it beer? Was it stinky people? Um, what was it? What it will was... you remember with your nostrils from this evening? <laughs> there was a different energy in the air. But did and you smell it? What was the smell? It was it was it was crisp. Okay, it was a crisp smell. A crisp um, odor. Yeah, and I don't know if it was you know the allergies. You know, I mean, it, it, and it could have been, but no. I you mean, you didn't smell anything. I'd, I'd be worried about you. <laughs> yeah, I mean that might be a, a long haul COVID symptom. So I'm glad I could <laughs> smell. Yeah, uh, you know, mostly mostly kettle corn, maybe a little, uh, maybe a little. You know, you know, salted almonds, if you will. I, I feel like bourbon is the smell of the Yum Center. Like, I, I, I really is. feel like it is. The Yum Center smells like like bourbon and uh, freshly opened boxes. Like it just <laughs> smells like boxes. I know you you worked in the Yum Center. You know what I'm talking about. It smells like boxes. It still somehow twelve years later smells brand new. It smells like, brand new. It just got like the you haven't even put the, the like ripped the plastic cover off of it yet on the electronic or the glass. It still smells like that. 
I'm going to Jack Harlow this weekend, so I'll let you know if it's small. Yeah, give boxes. me a smell update next week when we I, get back together. Yeah, I, I want to know. If it's, well, I mean, I'll be there for Florida A&M as well on Saturday. So Yeah, I'll uh, see you there. How about so, that? Yeah, so cool. we'll, we'll have a Florida A&M smell test, uh, and then okay. we'll have Jack Harlow smell test. I, I feel like Florida A&M is going to smell like, like uh, you know, optimism, and Jack Harlow is going to smell like like uh, Abercrombie, Abercrombie uh, spray-on cologne. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, I can see like, that. And maybe maybe uh, some cigarillos. Okay, before we lose everybody, let's talk about L. Ellis. I think that's the story. Let's talk about that. I the think, first yeah. player. Who do you think? You weren't – this is the best part about me watching the game from home this evening and you being there. So you don't have the data. I have the data because I listened yeah. to the broadcast and got to hear their data. Who was the last player for Louisville basketball and to score 30 points and accumulate 10 assists in one game? Who do you think that is? Oh, God. I'm going to say – I'm going to go out on a limb here and say Purvis Ellison. That's a that's an interesting guess. My first guess would have been Russ Smith. Like, I feel like somewhere in his career he had a 30-plus no. point game no. in 10 assists. No. Did he not pass the ball enough to get 10 assists in a game? I don't know. No, remember. I think that – I just think that he had so many other players around him to, to distribute. Yeah. It wouldn't make sense. Sure. And I also think that Louisville was such a defensive-minded team that there were a lot of, like, fast-break opportunities. So – you know, t- tonight Louisville had, uh, I believe it was 18 assists to 13 turnovers, which first, which by the way is by far like not even close to any, like the, the, the second place for the, for the best number on the season. I mean, that's, that's the difference in the game right there. Like yeah, you want to say, one played well, zero assist to uh, turnover ratio in the first half. And I don't think they've had a positive assist to turnover ratio yeah. in any half of basketball this no, season. So, and they were, they were close last game. Last game, it was uh, eight to set. No, I believe it was eight to seven at the under four timeout of the first half. And they finished with eight and nine. Yeah, they were that close, but it's been bad. But that was the difference tonight is, you know, they still finished with, you know, a a double digit number in turnovers. 13 was was the final number um, to 17 assists. And you get 10 10 assists out of L. Ellis. And to go back to my original question, the answer to that is Reese Gaines. I would have never guessed that. I would have never in my life guessed Reese Gaines ever had. Reese Gaines had 10 assists in a game, period. Yeah, that's that's a a shocker to me. Right. That's why I was thinking in my mind, like, see, there's sometimes scores get – they get so hot that they start getting doubled and then they throw it to their teammates and it's contagious. Um, And that's kind of what it was tonight. L was – just absolutely incredible. Now he did have that, that that pass in the first half. I tweeted, "It's the worst pass I have ever seen in Division One basketball." Yes. And that pass went into the twelfth row. Vincent Lacoco might have caught that pass. Um, it, know, was, it was it was close to Vince. Shout out to Vince going to his first Louisville basketball game in years tonight and getting the uh, the first victory of the season. Like, like we told him he's got to start staying. And, uh, and going how about Alex? Alex uh, Stingle showed up in a tie dye WKU shirt and. I sat with him in the second half and he cheered for WKU. I'm a fan. He did accidentally many times say we for U of L. And he's like, shit, we're not we tonight. <laughs> I love that. But he is a WKU alum. So I will give him that. But um, L was just all over the place. He was, um, you know, really took care of the ball, and especially in the first half. In the second half, he, he had some bad turnovers, but um, he scored. 13 or 14 points, I believe, in the first half. He hit a couple of threes. Uh, and then in the second half, he doesn't really get going until about the the 
12 to 11 minute mark. It kind of took him a bit, but he ends up with 13 points in the second half, 30 overall gets the 10 assists and his passing um, was really the difference maker tonight. They swung the ball around uh, the key so many times they they hit the extra pass where in other games they've just shot the ball for that that one guy wants to be the guy to get the the shot off tonight they made the extra pass and it it resulted in guys like Kamari Lands having a career high 15 points 13 points in the second half um, it was the result of Brandon Huntley Hatfield getting those two threes in the first half um, Jalen Withers had a really nice three at the top of the key um, they the, the passing was contagious they moved the ball around and this is the kind of offense I envisioned that Kenny Payne envisioned I envisioned that he thought that he would see um as he kind of installed his scheme and I think from you know if you look at the X's and O's and I think the big difference was tonight what we've been asking for manufacture points out of play calls like like you said last week when we were talking about this it a, a dad at southeast coaching sixth graders can do that like draw up plays and get points for evan who is as, as awkward as they come over here because he's you know he's five foot eight in the sixth grade and he doesn't he doesn't hasn't filled his body out yet that you can manufacture points for evan if you call plays and you get get guys open and that's what kenny did tonight and in fact in the second half they ran the sexiest play of the season uh it was a double screen that L was able to come off of. He chose to go around Sydney, drove to the basket. JJ popped out, would have been open for a three. L takes it for a left-handed layup, and it was beautiful. So beautiful. let me say this. That's how that play is supposed to work every time. Yeah. They it's run beautiful. that play all the time. And I looked right at Alex, and I was like, well, I guess it was a like Greg because Alex was cheering for WKU. <laughs> but I was just Shout like. Shout out Papa Stingle. Shout out Papa Stings, which, by the way, me and Papa Stings already have plans for football because Alex is leaving him and going to Boston. Yeah. So so me and you and Papa Stings are going to be sitting together a lot. Yeah, we're, you know, we're the adopted brothers in the Stingle family. Yeah, which is fine. I'm good with that. Um, But no, uh, that so when fans are looking at that play, that's what that's supposed to look like every time. And for whatever fucking reason. It was not happening. And like, it was, you know, not, not to get emotional about it, but it's like, where has that been? Like when, when they go to the, when, you know, the, the, I guess it's the three and the four essentially, or the three and the five uh, run to the top of the key instead of double screen. Right. You're, you're supposed, essentially the idea of that is, is to either free up somebody uh, on the wing which they or, had in the corner or to get L going downhill. Yeah. Or L got going wow. downhill and, and was, you know, had a direct lane to the basket, but he also had a guy, you know, there clearly WKU kind of effed up the play. Mm-hmm. Regardless, it doesn't matter what they were looking for actually happened. And that's the first time all season that that has happened. Uh, so uh, again, that's just an effort play. That's, when you set a screen, you set a screen with an intentionality, right? I, I believe that's a word. You yes. set an intentional yes. screen. And when L. Ellis comes off that screen, he comes off the hip of the screener. He doesn't take the long way around. You come off the hip of the screener, so there's no chance that the defender can get to you. That's the whole point of setting a goddamn screen, Jake. Right, and if, he, and if he does, he decides to slip under the screen, well, then L, who has been jacking up heat checks all night, can pull that three and get a yes. decent look. I mean, there's literally six options out of that one play call. But and that's they, the whole point got of, it. like, I think that Kenny's been calling these plays 
or whoever calls the plays, Kenny, Danny, whoever it is. But they've not even come close to executing on the play. But it's stuff like, like number one, like L has to recognize that. He has to say, okay, there's a, there, the defender is coming up. I have two screeners. I can go off either. I can go off, you know, one screener's left hip or the other screener's right hip. But you cannot be hesitant. You have to be intentional with going off of that screen. And you have to go off their hip. Like you're taught in freaking fourth grade, Jacob. Like you and I played for low elementary uh, in the early 2000s. And I promise you that, that our coaches taught us to, to go off of his hip. You don't go, like you don't loop around. That it's just it's such elementary stuff, uh, and 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 it worked tonight. It worked because they were actually intentional with what they did. They truly showed effort. Uh, I mean the I mean it, it shows in the final score. I mean if you look at the the points that Louisville scored this year, right? They scored 66, 72, 60, 54, 38. My God, thirty. Yeah. Whew. 62, 54, good. and. 53 twice. Yeah. 94. Tonight, they scored 94. Yeah, and that's because they, you know, part of that is because they moved the ball around and got, what, a season high 13 threes. I mean, they they hit their season high on Saturday against uh, Florida State at nine, and that was only, like, the only bright spot that you could take away out of that game is, okay, maybe yeah. if they can start shooting the ball, it's a different scenario here. That's what they did tonight, and it's – they didn't just shoot the ball. Like, that's the thing. You can win on nights where you show up and you just take bad shots and you hit bad shots. I felt like tonight their threes were within rhythm in the offense from ball movement, from down low, back out top to the key, inside out. Um, and speaking of inside out, we got to talk about Sidney Curry because we've we've spent a lot of time, um, I don't want to say bashing him, but being – you know, questioning perplexed. what is going perplexed. on, what's going on. Yeah. yeah. And so here's an interesting thing tonight that again, the broadcast kind of hinted to it's the first time I've heard anybody really talk about it like this. Corey Alexander from the, from ESPN um, specifically talked about Kenny uh, in a conversation that they had talking about Sidney Curry's weight and that he, the quote was that he is ballooned, um, which just, explains a lot from a conditioning standpoint. I mean, we've not seen the same Sidney Curry that we saw in those final eight games last year. I said earlier on, on the show that I could relate from a guy who struggled with being in shape, that when you are not in shape, your confidence sometimes just isn't there. You know what you need to do, but you don't trust your body to do so. Tonight, I don't know if it was because Jamarian Sharp mattered. Maybe he was his punching bag in practice for a year at John A. Logan, and he felt like he could just, you know, it took him back to those that small gym in the middle of nowhere, Illinois, where he would just dominate seven foot three, seven foot four, Jamarian Sharp, who's 18 years old from Hopkinsville, Kentucky. Um, and, you know, it seemed like he kind of channeled that a little bit tonight. Um, he, he had a season high, I believe, season high, 10 points. Um, I don't have his exact rebound numbers in front of me, but he had several big rebounds. Um, and, and he really did a good job of just fighting, fighting, playing hard. Uh, and at this point, that's all that, that, that you can ask for from him. Um, but specifically, uh, he said, uh, being Kenny Payne said he wants to see him lose five to 10 pounds a week for the next couple of weeks throughout the season, that that's a goal that they have for him to get him back down to 250 to 260. That's the range that they want him at. If I had to guess, I th I think he started the season at about 285, 290. He's Dude. probably down to about two, 
280, 275 right now. So that's that, there's some some room to go down. Uh, there was a picture shared of him tonight that was just not flattering. Uh, you know, as a guy who from certain angles does not have good looks, I can I can relate. Uh, but it just shows that he's he's got a long way to go from a, a conditioning and weight standpoint. And I, I'm I'm hoping he gets it figured out, man. Because if he lo- if he unlocks things in the second half of the season, you just don't know what this team can be. You just don't. I mean, yeah. First of all, the I mean. We just have to talk about, and we brought this up. We kind of bounced around it a little bit. It's uncomfortable to talk about somebody's weight, right? Yeah, it's not. That's it's, not our job. It's like a weird. It's not a our personal job. thing, man. That's but a personal thing. I was with Sydney two and a half, three months before the season. He did not look like that, and I think it's just something that Kenny Payne is really just like kind of let just like glance off of him. You know how he is. He gets philosophical. You ask him about Sidney Curry's weight, and he starts he starts asking you questions about, well, if you were 19 years old, well, how much would you weigh? Like that's, <laughs> that's how that's how he approaches everything. But I mean, like the, I just the need reality him to is everybody can, everybody can see five pounds. Yeah. And when I saw when I saw Sidney Curry in the offseason, he looked like Sidney Curry that we knew. You know, the Sidney Curry that that worked out three extra hours a day. And that was, you know, a, a 250 pounds of just chiseled muscle. But I mean, he looked like he looked like the big ticket tonight or like in, in the last three weeks. He's looked like, you know, he's looked like, uh, you know, an offensive lineman for the New York Jets and not a, a center for for Louisville basketball. And you have to ask, like, you know, was he injured? Was is there something going on in his personal life? And like, look, I don't want to, you know whatever it was, he's, he's not there. And I think it's a little bit on the coaching staff for continuing to play him when he's overweight. And I think it's, it's in some respects, it's on him. Yeah. I mean, if you weighed 250, 260 over the summer and he ballooned up to 300 for the start of the season, like Which what, is what he came in here at last year for Mac. I yeah. mean, he was 290, 300 pounds coming in here. It's, I mean, you got to think something was going on. But, I mean, this second half was great for him. Six points on two for three field goals, which most games this season, I would venture to guess every game this season, he hadn't even taken three field goals the entire game. He took three field goals, made two of them in the second half uh, against uh, against Western Kentucky. Four offensive rebounds in the second half uh, in 14 minutes plus minus of zero. Uh, but 14 minutes of play from him, after he basically started the last game and he got yanked and pretty much just never came back in until garbage time. Uh, that's huge. But we'll in the second half as a whole, uh, 48 points on 15 for 27 from the field. That's 55.6%. Uh, five or 10 from three point range, 13 for 14 from, from the free throw line. Not only that, Louisville only missed one free throw from the stripe all night. Uh, very impressive. Uh, Louisville had five offensive rebounds, in the second half, they had eight assists in the second half. There, I, I would, I would just off the top of my head, I believe seven out of ten games they've not had seven assists for the entire, or eight assists for the entire game. I believe it. Uh, so they had eight eight assists, seven fouls, and eight turnovers. So one to one ratio. Um, just a really really solid second half. Uh, and that includes the second half where they didn't make a field goal for the last four minutes and 46 seconds. So they closed out solidly, even though they weren't making shots. 
Well, the, here's the they didn't. Here, I will push back on that notion that they finished out solid. I thought they played pretty, actually, really bad down the stretch of that game. What saved them was they got into the bonus with about four or five minutes left in the game, and they went to the free throw line a number of times. Um, but the big difference in the second half was the points in the paint that told the story. In the first half, uh, Western Kentucky only had 14 points in the paint. In the second half, they had 28. They doubled that up, and and that's what I was talking about with Davion McKnight. He set the tone of attacking, attacking, attacking. Jamarian Sharp has not looked like himself at all all season. I think he's only been in double digits like three out of their nine games. He only had I think six points tonight. He he's seven foot five. He should have. 15 points and 12 rebounds every night, no questions asked. Uh, Louisville did a really good job of of handling him outside of the, the couple of alley-oops. Um, but what they did not handle well uh, was Jarius Hamilton getting into the lane, Davion McKnight getting into the lane. And then the second ha- the second chance points was just completely lopsided. I think it finished like 14 to four. At one point it was nine to nothing uh, in the advantage of Western Kentucky. They just fought harder for the offensive rebounds. They positioned themselves better. Uh, and that's an area where Louisville has to improve. The fact that they won this game by 11 points, getting out rebounded by, I believe, 11 rebounds, um, or eight rebounds. I mean, that's impressive considering that they've got a seven foot five center, uh, and a number of guys who are athletic at six foot seven, six foot eight, like Emmanuel Cott and, uh, uh, and, and Jarius Hamilton. So, uh, they did a lot of little things, right. But they also did a lot of little things wrong in this game. And so there's definitely, you know, a lot to build on, uh, as they move forward. Now, here's what I think was, Uh, one of the biggest revelations of this game. And you tell me if you agree, I think you know where I'm going with this. Um, It's the, the ability to play Fabio Baselli for stretches of minutes, uh, either with L as we saw for a little bit tonight, or uh, which I think really kind of pushed the buttons of L Ellis. If you remember late in the second half, Fabio played by himself for quite a bit um, and played well. He had a couple of turnovers that he forced, got the layup. He had a couple of really nice move and moves into the lane and passes, but Fabio Basile becoming more a part of the role of the rotation, excuse me. That's what we've been talking about here is needing him. Hersey Miller is not the answer. Like he cannot step in and play more than maybe five to seven minutes a game where Fabio can come in and play 15 minutes and give L six to seven minutes on the bench and then give, you know, two or three stretches throughout the game in small bursts where he's playing on the ball and L Ellis is off the ball. You know, I know Ellis had a great game passing tonight, but in the first half scoring, I thought he really, really took advantage of being the off guard. Um, and that's, that's things that we, that they have to, you know, evolve as they go up throughout the season. If they want to win games against teams like Boston college and teams like, um, you know, that are struggling in the ACC, you know, the, the Georgia Techs of the world, they've got to make these things work where they get a guy like Fabio Basile, a guy like Devin Ree, Rose Wheeler into the rotation and make them a valuable part of this team because that's only going to make them better. Those guys are talented, uh, but they have to be ready to play at the college level and they have not been up until this point. Yeah, I mean, you're at, you absolutely hit the nail on the head as far as I think that Louisville really kind of tightened up the rotation tonight. And that's so big. Like even with Jalen Withers getting two fouls in the first 45 seconds of the game, which was obnoxious. uh, But even with that, Louisville managed to really tighten things up and they managed to kind of just make it work. Right. 
Like they, yeah, did you know that Rose Wheeler is in concussion protocol? I don't think that I knew that. Oh, I didn't know that either. I, I mean, he I noticed not, he didn't play. Yeah, he did not play tonight because he was not available uh, for being in concussion protocol. I remember him getting hit, hit in the head the other day uh, against Florida mm-hmm. State, but I, did, I didn't realize. I don't remember anybody mentioning that in the press conference. So I didn't know if they had, if, if you had heard that prior to the game or not. No, no, not at all. Um, so, I mean, again, that's, that's huge. You know, you basically yeah. – there, you didn't have an option if that's the case. You're playing Sidney Curry. Yeah, <laughs> you're playing Sidney Curry, and especially when Jalen goes out. And not to mention Jalen goes out, but Mike James also goes out twice. Mike James was out in the first four minutes of the first half, sat the rest of the half, I believe, maybe it was the first six minutes, and then comes in in the second half and gets a foul in the first 30 seconds and goes right back to the bench. So yeah. that that's where you get guys like Kamari stepping up and you get guys like now, I know he's a starter, but you get Sidney Curry stepping up. And it just changes the dynamics of this game. Uh, and, and from a rotation standpoint, are you comfortable seeing Kenny put Fabio Basile, you know, more yes. involved in this offense? I think you yes. can. I don't, I, I don't know what his minutes minutes total was tonight. Let me see if I can pull that real quick. Let's see, eleven minutes. That would ha- I would imagine that's close to a season high. Uh, I think you can stretch that for four or five more minutes and and get good things out of him. Uh, he's smooth. He's real smooth with the ball. Like he is. I'm trying to think of somebody who is just naturally crafty like that from a Louisville perspective. And uh, the guy that comes to mind is Terrence Williams, which I'm no, in no means comparing right, to, right. just the ability to shift and move the ball and make those kind of, you know, uh, cool passes, which doesn't necessarily lead to winning, but uh, Fabio just has this natural craft to him <clears throat> that I find really interesting. And he, he played within the flow of the offense I got those steals, was able to make a couple of nice passes, and that unlocks a lot of things for this offense. It's going to shock you, but Fabio's credited with zero steals tonight, which is just not the case. No way. I was, yeah. I was watching the live stats uh, because he kind of had like a deflection, and I didn't know if they counted it as, as a steal. And then he had a legitimate steal where he yeah. came in with a ball and drove down the floor and, and made a good pass yep. in the first half, and they didn't count it as a steal, so – I don't really count anymore. Bunch of nerds. Yeah. What's a steal? Yeah. I mean, JJ Trainer was credited with three steals tonight. So I, I would imagine that he got one or two of Fabio's that Fabio ended up with. But yeah. Um, well, one of the one of the assistants is probably tracking deflection. So we'll we'll put a call in to the to the uh the little yum center. I don't remember what it's called, the Kluber Center now. Uh yeah, we'll ask for the status the statistician of the evening and, and see what we can do about getting that to be correct. Cause Fabio needs credit, man. And like I said, last time we were on the show together, I'm a MILF dude. I'm a MILF man. I love Fabio. I mean, you're right. You're right. I mean, he just, he needs to be that ancillary player to, to LLS. I think that he's the solution. I think that when they brought him in that, that we all hope that he would be. Uh, and, and it's my hope that Zan Payne is not that, I mean, no, but he Zan didn't play just, tonight. Well, he played garbage minutes. Technically, he had a plus minus of one. Hey, look, we're making progress, man. He's got three points on the season, uh, plus one tonight, probably helps his average. He is credited with zero minutes, but a plus minus of one. Yeah, he played like five seconds. See, that's like put one minute in my box score. Like, come on. Like, why are you going to list me and put that I played zero minutes? He's a participant, but (laughs) he played one snap, essentially, this game. Uh, But I mean, you know, you essentially had the rotation of of Ellis and James, Curry and Holly Hatfield, Withers and Trainer, yeah. 
and then Fabio and Kamari. Yeah. And that was the rotation. And, and I think Rose play probably plays if he's healthy. Yeah. If Rose is healthy, he plays because he's brought some defensive intensity and, you know, just he's he's seven feet in my mind. I don't care what he's listed at. He's seven feet. He's seven the feet size tall. there absolutely helps. I mean, Sharp, that Sharp would have destroyed him tonight, though, I think. Oh, well, that's why he didn't play. I'm telling you. I am telling you. If I could get some, like, truth serum and ask Sydney why he came aggressive tonight, it, it would be because he knew he used to bully him in practice. Like, Absolutely. I mean, and but maybe that's the thing that puts him over the top. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I you just Sydney... need to see some comp- – like, you just need to see the ball go in metaphorically, and that's what yeah. this game was for them in every right, was just for every player. I mean, think about the toilet bowl three-pointer for Kamari Lanes. That ball rolled around the rim for 15 minutes. But from where I was standing, you knew it was in. When it came oh, it was in hand, the second it left his hands. When it came off his hand, I was like, damn, that's unfortunate, but it's still going in. Like, that was like, you know what I'm saying? Like, when it hit the rim, I was just like, it, there's no way that doesn't go in. And everybody in the arena knew it was in. So that was awesome. Um, I think, you know, to, to kind of get down to it, since we're at 12.22 a.m. now, to get down to it, the play, and, and we said this from game one, the play of L. Ellis and Sidney Curry will define this team. They are the captains. They are the, the leaders on this team. They are what who everyone's looking towards to correct things. And you have to – you got to see more of this. Like, you have to see – you have to put L. Ellis in a position every night where he can go for 25 or 30 – where he's going to be off the ball. And even when he was on the ball, Louisville made a concerted effort tonight to not make him make crazy decisions. And what that resulted in was him making way more plays for other people. He can't be the guy who's initiating everything. So when they got the ball into Kamari's hands, when they got the ball into Mike's hands, then all of a sudden things started to change, right? When the the flow of the offense goes through your twos and your threes, and then you get it back to L, who's, you know, often playing at the one, but he's kind of coming off of a screen. He's coming off, you know, he's coming off of a situation where he has space. He's coming off a situation where he's in rhythm. He hadn't had that. He he never had those opportunities coming in. So even when he's the point guard, when somebody comes to accept the ball, and this is what we've been imploring them to do, when when others are willing to share, when others are willing to kind of step up and, and be that guy, be that secondary, that ancillary component, then all of a sudden, not only does L start taking over and become more in his natural habitat, but he is also able to create more. And that's what we saw last season, right? When he's playing off of a Jared West, when he's playing off of a Noah Locke, uh, then you see that he can become an absolute dog, a scorer. He was not in his element in the first nine games of the season. And we saw that Louisville made a concerted effort to make it go through James, to make it go through Fabio, to make it go through Lance. And that's all we wanted to start the season. That's all we wanted. And they finally made that happen. Uh, and then, like you said, Sidney Curry, just like he finally had, like it might have been a French poodle, but he finally had a dog in him tonight. That was so crucial. When you look at the the overall stats tonight, I mean, a big thing, we, we've talked about layups after every game. 10 for 12 on layups, 2 for 2 on dunks. That's a game changer. That's a game changer. Game changer. That's, it's, it's elementary as that. Like, just if make I was fucking layup, seven, I would dunk the ball every time I could. I would make it like I, I'm 5'10 and all I want to do is dunk. 
It's all yeah. I want to do. And if I could do it, I would never take advantage of it. Yeah. I just never understood why dudes are like, no, nah, I'm good. I was laid up. I'm like, dude, you're 6'10". Throw the ball yeah. in the hoop, man. Me and my brother used to have, like, we had, like. Did you lower the goal? No, no. So we, we've always done this thing where, like, you know, we have, like, these phases of life. Especially before he got married and had kids and before I got married and got divorced and whatever else. Like, we always had these, like, just these phases of life. Like, we had, like, four months where we just went to putt-putt on Bardstown Road almost every night for, like, four months. And, like, we were just destroying putt-putt. Like, we were obsessed with it. And then, uh, you know, we had bowling. We went we went to the bowling alley all the time. We brought our own balls. Like, we were super into it. I'm like, not we were just like that. how much better can I get at bowling? Periods where we do nothing but go to the movies. We go to the movies, like, four nights a week. You get the number two at Tinseltown. The number two is a large bucket of popcorn uh, and two large soft drinks. Uh, you get the number two, and then when you come out, then you get you get the refill. Oh, the free refills are the yeah. Move. So they rip they rip this tag off the bucket. Then one of us takes the bucket home. We're munching on some popcorn. We're sharing popcorn with our friends. Whatever you know, you, you get into the into these phases of life. Uh, but we were in this phase of life where we wanted to to be able to dunk a basketball. We were going to the gym every single day. We're like, hey, if we go to the gym every day and we just like keep you know run and you know standing still try to touch touch the bottom of the backboard standing still touch the net running touch the net running touch the backboard do it over and over again run you know run a lot uh run a lot of you know five on five whatever and we got better like you know we got to a point where like we were almost like tipping the ball in you know like getting it over the rim but the reality is right they're never done everybody wants at, there are so many people in life that would just be dying to just be able to dunk the basketball if I'm if I'm a six foot five stellar athlete, why the fuck are you not dunking the basketball? Think Jared West gets jealous like they, of people who don't you, dunk yeah, basketball. You just know what I mean? it's just a complete just just taking it for granted. Yeah, like, just think about how much Ryan McMahon just wants to cram. Like like you know Ryan McMahon. You know like I always think about when I think about Ryan McMahon. What game do you think about? Oh God, I don't know. Didn't he have like 30 against NC State or something like I that? I think about that road game against NC State. Yeah. They wore the gray. Yes. The gray and he just was unmi- NC he State on the road uh during the season that got halted by COVID. He had that one that was like a double step back three. Like every time, like in like Louisville would get up by like 15, and then NC State would make like a 12-0 run, and then Ryan McMahon Ryan would be like nine. Dagger nine to your heart. Dagger nine to your heart. But even that, that even that guy. The deadliest three-point shooter in Louisville basketball history. He just history. wants to dunk, bro. I bet you he would trade the ability to shoot threes to just be able to cram. No, and it's it's like, like a bad. That's a bad business decision in my mind. Well, it's a bad business decision, but lots of people do stupid shit all the time. And I bet you that he just used to dream of being. I bet you he does now. I bet <laughs> you he does now. I know you shared an airplane with him recently. He's sitting at his desk just doing calf workouts to I yeah, got a dunk today. I think that I think that you sh- you that should have been your question. Question I asked him, yeah. So, was, yeah, so how much uh, do you think about dunking, Brian? Is that something that you've always dreamed about? I think well, so he's a guy, he probably can dunk. He's like six. No, he definitely six. can dunk. They like, but it's like Aiden in a McCool game, you're dunk. not gonna try to dunk. No, no. shot. No Aiden shot. McCool can dunk. Yes, yes. Okay, all right. I thought you were so, saying no shot to that. I was no, like, no, no, he, put it on a poll right now. He can dunk. No, can no. Aiden McCool dunk? Uh, no, he can He can absolutely dunk. 
Yes, uh, no. for sure. All they can. And the point being is just like literally, I think there's been 30,000 card card fans cheering about this for the last years, talking about this for the last five years. Just freaking dunk the basketball. Just dunk it. Yes. Put it into the hoop with two hands the way that Dr. Naismith invented it. Actually, he yes. was – I don't think you could dunk. I don't think he invented it that way. But No, because it's a piece. He probably basket. appreciates probably that down. aspect now. Yeah, yeah, I think absolutely. in his grave, he appreciates a great dunk. I really do. So for the love of God – all 13 members of the Louisville basketball program just dunk the basketball when you get the opportunity. If they go two of two, or what would you say? They were two of two on dunks. Two of two on dunks. Yeah. If they go 90% on layups and games, even 80%, they're going to win a lot of games. Yep. I really think so. That's pretty bold, but I think so. All right. Last thing I want to talk about for five seconds, not, not literally, but just for a couple of minutes is Kenny Payne. Uh, a lot of conversation about him. His status as the head coach. We do this thing where we are, it's just every game is up and down and up and down. Now I know 0 and 9 is 0 and 9, but um, he had some pretty interesting comments at his press conference leading into Florida State about, you know, fans sticking with them and they need real fans. And uh, this is a part of laying the culture and the foundation. And, you know, I think we all agree that that's nonsense. Like the 0 and 9 in Louisville basketball, regardless if you're Denny Crum, Rick Patino, Chris Mack. Uh, or Kenny Payne or Peck Hickman, any of them, zero and nine is not acceptable, and it will never be acceptable by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but I think there's been there's just this this now that the NCAA um, punishment has kind of moved on, and there's a new kind of ability to start fresh for Louisville. There is just this. Um, pressure that has just been building and building and building and it obviously led to mac leaving or being dismissed whatever you want to say and now you know being the fact that they were so bad last year now they're one and nine at this point fans have just lost patience with coaches it would it doesn't matter who the coach is at this point if they were zero and nine fans would be screaming for them to be fired it could be coach k for that matter fans would be screaming for them it to could be, be john fucking wooden that's what I'm saying. 100%. It does not matter who the head coach is. Um, but what I have continued to tell people as I've talked about this and as I've, um, you know, watched things online and just tried to kind of get my head wrapped around this is I still think that Kenny is trying to figure out this head coaching thing and trying to figure out what it means to be the lead guy. You know, as I watch my brother-in-law, a guy who is by all, you know, a D1 coach and who is by all accounts a player's coach, there is this dynamic in a relationship when you go from being the guy who's just an assistant, um, who's there to kind of be the the good cop. I saw that analogy on Twitter to where you have to be the guy in charge. Um, there's a lot of room for error, especially when the margins are as slim as they are here because of what this program is. And I think that Kenny is learning with, with every move that he makes whether it's a good move or a bad move um and we're seeing him you know start to kind of i, I don't want to say get a grasp on the season because they're one and nine and so that's not the right way right. of putting it but i just <laughs> think we're starting to get to the 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 kenny pain that we can accept without thinking every second he has to be fired if that makes am i making any sense here yes. i just think like the fans have been so quick because of the record to shoot him down or to say that he's not uh, capable of doing this job. And I think, I think that that's nonsense in a way. It's also, I understand because of the product that we're seeing on the court, but um, I, you know, I, I, 
tweeted about Manhattan basketball more than I probably have ever tweeted about any other program in my entire life that's not Louisville. But when I went on that trip a couple weekends ago, I saw a program that's in the same spot as Louisville Presley in terms of a coach put into the position as a former player, a legend at the school, a winner at the highest level, um, trying to come in and build something from the ground up the way that he wants to do it compared to what it was done previously. Uh, Chris Mack and Steve Massiola are not the same coach by any means, but they're very similar in a lot of ways from what I've learned uh, and what I've seen with Chris Mack. Um, but Rashawn Storrs, the head coach of Manhattan, and Kenny Payne are fighting daily with, with 13 players in their 18, to, 18 years old to 23, 24 years old of trying to establish what it means to be a hardworking, consistent, every single day I bring the same thing. I do my job and I don't let excuses, whether, you know, good basketball or bad basketball determine what I am. And I think that the players on this team are not clicking with that because it's just not, it it just takes time. It just takes time for that message to be heard, reciprocated, applied, and then become, you know, the everyday thing. And I get the basketball has been bad, but I am fully on board with Kenny Payne, regardless if they had won tonight. Uh, and I just wanted to, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Because, you know, his his philosophy answers have not, they've fallen on deaf ears. Everything he said has been much like Scott Satterfield. It's just like, dude, come on, stop talking and just go win games. But I think that he is a Cardinal lifer. He's a champion at this school. We cannot just push this guy out because things have been tough at the beginning of this season. Like I get if they go two and 28, we're having a different story, but I don't, I just don't think that's happening. I just don't think that's happening. I think that the confidence level of this team winning is going to change and roll into some momentum for them. And and just getting to 500 would be a huge, huge victory on the season in my mind. Oh, I mean, getting to 500, holy shit. I, I think mean, it's possible. Get to 500. I think it's possible. I know that sounds crazy right now, but this basketball, if we see this, like there's a oh, lot of teams in the sure. ACC that are not as good as Western Kentucky. And I might be, you know, living off of a high of tonight, but I think this team with confidence can change can change this around. I really do, with confidence. And they got that tonight. Dude, if they got the 500, you're talking about a tournament team. Yeah, maybe, like that, yeah. that sounds crazy. But like if, if, they, if they get the 500, you're talking about they won some games uh, in the ACC know, that they winning. shouldn't. Yeah, well, you're talking about they'd have to win two out of every three games going forward, and you're also talking about most of that being ACC play. You're talking about strength of schedule and everything that 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 encompass, encompasses. Uh, if they get to 500, that means that they're going to be in the top eight in the ACC. They're going to get a buy in the in the ACC tournament. Like, there's a lot that goes into that. They get the five. Uh, no, well, no, huh, well, n- not quite because you can go 500. I mean, if they, I, I guess if they go 500, it's because they've had a good ACC year compared to where they are. But I mean, you can go 500 and still be crap in your conference, you know, just based off of non conference schedule. That's not going to happen here. So you're right in that way. But um, that, that might be a, that might be a stretch. They, I think they could get potentially, they might not finish 500, but they could get to that at some point. Be, you know, like, yeah. I don't know. Louisville has 20, 15. they have 21 games remaining. If they if they finish five hundred, that would mean that they would have to finish. Just doing some quick math in my head. Okay, it's yeah, like a like a sixteen and fifteen team. So they'd have to like fuck some shit up. Like yeah. they'd have to they'd they have could. to really turn. They they could, but I'm saying like they'd have it's to be not, playing. They'd have to be playing well against some good teams, uh, yeah. which again is possible. I think Georgia Tech is is dog shit. I think Florida State's not very good. Like Syracuse sucks. 
Pittsburgh Syracuse isn't good. Pitt's not Georgia good. Tech sucks. Like, there, there's, there, there's, there's potential for sure, but you're also talking about a team that hadn't lost by by less than 19 for over a month until tonight. That's uh, right. So okay. you're talking I, about I'm, I'm just excited. Yeah, no, no you're just talking. No, which you're fine. If you talk, if you look at this team and you look at it as if they played like this every single night, that is a possibility. You were absolutely right. You were right. You were right. You're right. Uh, but they, you know, they still have to play Virginia twice. They still got to play North Carolina. They still got to play Duke. Uh, they still have to play Florida, you know, Florida State again, who just just killed them. Like so, there there are, you know, Virginia Tech again. Like there there yeah, there's, there's teams, teams they can win. There's teams but, out there. They got to play Miami again. Like yeah. there's there's still teams out there that can absolutely crush them. But if, here's here's what I'll say. Here, here's what I'll say. I think that you danced around the 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 truth of the matter uh, when you said uh, essentially that you know fans were you know not willing to be accepting because of the record. Again, I don't think like the record sucks. The record will continue to suck. The record will never be. We will look back on this in twenty five years and be like, how how did that happen? It yeah. doesn't matter what the situation. How do you allow that to happen? You think people in 1965 were wondering what what happened for Louisville in 1941 yeah. when they went 0 and 11? You think people were talking about that still in 1965? No. They, I don't think they were. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't. I mean, at the the Gene Snyder didn't even exist back then. So the, a lot has changed since then. Trust me. That's uh, true. They were, they were driving on dirt roads, and when they when they honked their horn, it said "Auga." So like, you know, a lot has changed since then. All right. Uh, most women didn't even work. They just gotten the right to vote. They're very excited about that. Yeah, so they changed. weren't thinking about Louisville going to They weren't thinking they didn't give a fucking the shit about World War II. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the, the people that cared, cared, but you know, they weren't that they were, you know, we're more far removed from that than they were from playing shooting into a peach basket. Okay. So like it's we're talking about that that much of a discrepancy. Now here's what I'll say: the record is what it is. People expected the record to be bad, but people didn't expect Louisville to play in the in the manner that they did. When you talk about them scoring thirty, what I say thirty six, thirty eight points yeah. against and again, it, yeah, Texas Tech, I yeah. Mean, I mean, I but mean, that's a different animal the way that they defend. But right, I'm but it, it, it still it doesn't it's matter. One game, thirty-eight points. Let me tell you, it doesn't matter, brother, because they they took out their starters with ten minutes left, and that's the point that I'm getting to. the The final score didn't matter. They were going to get crushed by if if they left their starters in and they truly tried. Louisville would have lost by sixty. Like the, 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 the score isn't indicative of what the play was. The play was pathetic. It was lousy. It was inexcusable. It, it, is, terrible. it is. No matter what the players say, no matter what Ellis and, and, and Jalen Withers said yesterday at their press conference, no matter what Kenny Payne said before Florida State, it doesn't fucking matter because the reality of the situation was the play was so bad that, that Ruby, your four-year-old daughter, could have looked at it and been like, this is not okay. This is terrible. And it doesn't have anything to do with the score. It has to do with effort. It has to do with consistency. It has to do with understanding of the basics of basketball that somebody that, that knows nothing about the sport can look at it and be like, what the hell are they doing? I, I just, I was talking to my mom the other day on the phone and she said, you know, what's wrong with Louisville basketball? And I said, I can sum it, sum it up in this manner. When the ball goes into the post, when I was a kid and I got a mismatch and there was a big kid 
down in the post and I was a little short kid and I'm trying to guard the post, what would you shout at the top of your lungs? She said, I'd probably tell you to put your hands up. And I was like, exactly. God damn it. You haven't watched a single second of Louisville basketball this year. You haven't watched a second of, of, of basketball uh, except for maybe like Louisville, Kentucky over the last three or four years. Right. But you know, when the ball goes into the post, what do you do? You put your hands up and, and Louisville basketball could not even do something that simple. So when I tell you that the situation was dire, it was that the players were giving up. It's that the coaches weren't giving effort, like none of that tonight. It was completely different. The players that I saw on the floor tonight were yeah. not what I had seen previously. Yeah. And like the bench was, energy it, was the, elite. What we saw tonight is what we at least expected at a minimum All year. heading yeah, into the season. Yeah. That's what we expected, Jacob. Yeah. No, so, I agree. I agree. So, but, 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 but at the same time, when you, play the way that the schedule that Louisville has and you have the first three games of the year go the way that they do in that manner where you lose by three points against three very middle of the of the road mid-major teams your confidence is shaken then you go to Maui you play against a team in, in Arkansas that has four lottery picks on it you play against Texas Tech that plays an incredible style of defense and then you, you finish it off on the third day with Cincinnati yes it was ugly but there are there is context that can be provided around oh, this. Sure. when you lose like that dude it rips your freaking soul no I, one I, wants to go to a game when they just got beat the day earlier by 45 points no I, one I, you wouldn't want to go to work i get that i get that but anybody who does have a soul like i get like the metaphor of, of ripping your soul out but anybody who truly cares anybody who cares about the program anybody they who fight cares back about their brothers anybody yeah. who cares about their coaches and any coaches worth a goddamn would understand it would it should not take any effort to get them to do that so like i will never go back and, and excuse that never never unless no. somebody no, no, no. comes out and it's like, like, uh, like uh, just making up something completely fictitious. Unless somebody comes out and says, like, one of the coaches was was sleeping with one of the players' girlfriends, or like, like something just so outlandish that you're like, I cannot even believe that that would only happen with Louisville basketball. Unless something like that was happening, it, it is frankly, it's inexcusable. It's it's implorable. Like whatever happened on the floor tonight against WKU, we can we cannot go back and rewrite that history. Now, it, now that they are, it seems like they're turning the page. They're getting things turned around. The message is getting through to them. That's great. But we will that that is inexcusable. It's unforgivable. It's wrong. It's 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 there. I mean, I'd have no words for for what the product was on the floor. Like when I sat down at my laptop to try to put put it into words, I couldn't because it's not even an emotional decision. It's like why even. Like anybody who watched that product on the floor for two minutes understands that 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 is it's 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 unacceptable and it frankly is, but it's 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 more than embarrassing. It it is it is not it's it, it's showing up without even like I, I it again I struggle to put into words. Exactly I mean, it, it is the, the equivalent the of 2018 football. It is. It's yeah, exactly I mean, it, it's, it's, it's giving up. It's not even yeah. showing up. Right. It's, it's coming it, in expecting to lose. Like, that's yeah. what this looks like in right. real time. I, I will yeah. give you that. But what, I, I, what I'm saying is it's it's even bigger than that. It's It's bigger than nine games. Like, nine games is not enough sample size to make a ruling on somebody as a coach for the for the, the future of your program, in my opinion. And I understand the conversation and why we need to have it. 
but there's still plenty of time to where right. this team can right. win four games and shut it'll shut everyone up. That's just it, it, exactly when Louisville wins. Fans realize okay, things can change, and now I'm back on board, and then we will hop right back off when we start losing again, and that's fine. But there's time. There's time. And all I'm saying is the conversation around firing a coach 10 games in is silly to me, regardless of what Sam Vinnessy is saying, regardless of what the athletic writers are writing, regardless of what the national media perspective is. I understand that this has been the worst basketball in my lifetime, your lifetime, my grandpa's lifetime. He was alive for 0-11, 1941. I might call him up and see what he thinks about that, if he remembers any details. What do you think about that 41 team, Grandpa? (laughs) That was the team that was 0-11. Where the where the peach baskets just uh, just giving you unfair bounces in forty one? What did you think while you were while you were smoking four cigarettes at the same time and, and working in a coal factory? On, on your uh, on the coal mine one. Yeah, um, it, it's uh, it, it, there's there's a lot to be desired uh, left to be desired, and I think that um, uh, this team just needed the metaphorical ball going through the hoop to 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 feel that that feeling of winning, to smell that win. The, you know, the, yeah. Listen. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think that the reason that I that I am so harsh on what happened in the past it is was because, ugly. because the way that it serves to juxtapose what we saw tonight, it was shocking. Like shocking is not a strong enough word. It was like, I mean, I was so I was sitting at a bar talking to a bunch of people, be it Western fans, be it Louisville fans, just having a genuine conversation. And even more so, you know, I have people in town uh, that, that I work with that, you know, work all across the country and all across the world. And they're coming in and, and just like having a candid conversation with me. Like I've never seen something as bad as what I watched when I watched Louisville and Maui. And it's like, it, it's, you're a laughing stock, not only of the country, but of the world at that, at that point, like anybody who watches and, and gives a damn about college basketball understands just how bad uh, that, that was, but and the reason that, that I continue to harp on that is because the team that we saw tonight was just a complete and absolute 180. And yeah. if you see that, I don't know if it can continue. I, I truly don't. I truly don't. And to say if anybody says that they believe that, it, like, okay, if they believe it can, that, 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 that's fine. You can believe something. But anybody, if anybody says that they think that it will happen, you're just, you're just hoping for hope's sake, right? Like, but in the same breath, Louisville could still go out and lose to Florida A&M on Saturday. That's absolutely something that could happen. Uh, but regardless, it, it does feel, it does feel you're absolutely right. Like they've turned the page and I, you know, I feel kind of, I mean, to be frank with you, I feel bad for the way that, that I reacted to what LL has said in a press conference yesterday, because, you know, he said, you know, stick with us that you like, the reality is, why would anyone stick with you? Like, if you're in a like, to be honest, the fans and the play and the and the team, it, it was a toxic relationship for the first nine games of the season because you're giving everything and they're not. Like, let's be frank. Anybody that watched that can see that they were not giving giving one hundred percent. Anybody, and it's not you know. Again, it's not to belittle somebody. You know, they're as they stated. You know, they're still young; they're still learning. But it, I mean, it's it's the honest truth. If you're not going to give 100, percent why would somebody pay thousands of dollars for, dollars for season tickets? Why would they change their schedule to come to a game to see you play? Why would they put forth the effort 
after a long, hard day at work and, and, you know, you know, putting off other plans with their family and, and showing up to support you, why would they ever, why would they give you a, that chance? Any, any rational human being would not. And now when you look at the, at this team, when you look at, at the performance tonight, uh, it, it gives you hope, but you still have to see that you have to see that continue to come to fruition. You have to continue to see that happen. Uh, Louisville went 282 days without winning a basketball game. Think about that. 282 days. Think about what you're doing 282 days ago. Think about what Liam looked like 282 days ago. Think about still big enough to play for Louisville basketball's roster. That 282 days ago, you had a different job. 282 days ago, you know, uh, you know, just think about all the different things that were going on in, in everybody else's life. Like if you're listening to this, think about what you were doing 282 days ago. And that's how long it had been since Louisville had won a game. And not only that, it had been a long time since Louisville was close against any sort of competent team. So to go up against Western Kentucky, Kentucky and do that, that's, that's not something to just, just look over. Yeah. So, you know, going forward, I I think, you know, we can kind of leave it at that and that there, there is reason for optimism. However, Anybody who's rational and logical needs to see this happen three, four, five times before before you accept it as, as the reality of the situation. So um, Louisville did move up to 227th in Ken Palm tonight, which is a pretty big jump. Western Kentucky fell pretty significantly to 128th. With that in mind, though, at least, you know, we're looking at some of these stats and Louisville's like, you know, whatever it was, 360th or something like that in the net like one of the bottom three teams in the country, <clears throat> that won't be the case in the next net ranking, which is nice. That's nice to see. That's a nice deep breath. A nice, just, just calming relief for just a second, you know? So with all that in mind, um, Jacob, any, any final thoughts on the night on, on, on the, the, the culture that they're trying to establish on Kenny Payne's first victory, anything that comes to mind? Go do it again on Saturday and then yes. do it again next week and then go do it again against NC State. And then let's just show up and uh, put up the best fight we can against Kentucky and then roll into conference play, new leaf turned, and see what uh, what this team can do down the stretch, man. Patrick Ewing can take a Georgetown team to the NCAA tournament and do what he did a couple of years ago after starting the way that they did. I, I have faith that this team can essentially turn it around. I'm not saying they're going to the tournament, but uh, yeah, no, but I think they can get a turnaround. Nice you know, faith is 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 seeing is believing something that you can't see, right? That's right. That's right. Uh, and not to get philosophical, but that's what it's going to take. I think that we can believe and we can we can project that energy uh, for for something that we can't see yet. Yeah, I'm here to support, but I'm not quite ready to spend money yet. Let's just exactly. put it that way. That's how exactly. that's how our relationship is right now. You're I'm showing up to church, but you're not ready to put that money in the offering plate. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we asked That's how I feel tonight. about little basketball right now. We asked we asked fans tonight on, on on Twitter. Give us one word. Most people did not follow directions, but no, I saw like gifts and five words. Yeah, and and paragraphs. But you know what? That's fine. You're enjoying your excited. But here's it's some of the you know. In one word, how are you feeling right now? Good, painless, which I thought was funny. Scrum trelescent, scrum trelescent, optimistic, relieved uh surreal everyone needed this one big time i mean that's not even close to one but it's all right nervous and confused they just put it all in one word 
nervous and confused. That sounds like me around any woman. Uh, relieved, encouraged, hopeful, relieved, emotional, confused, uh, really damn good, which, yeah. Positive, I like the confused. Euphoric. I think we all feel the confused part. Like a lot of, yeah, a lot of like, euphoric and, 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 and elated. A lot of that. Uh, Rick Stansberry had to be great. looking around the KFCM center at some point. Like, am I getting punked? Is this, is this real? Like, no, I mean, it's an NBA team. What is this? The energy inside the Yum Center was excellent, was, especially given that, that PHAT. It was about 60, 40 Louisville to, to Western Kentucky fans. And they showed up pretty chesty. Hey man, it was only eight o'clock central time. They, they were That's feeling true. good. You know what I mean? They were yeah. ready for that extra hour. There was also, you know, blue gets in. There was a lot of blue. Oh, I believe it. Do you remember the Western Kentucky football game a couple of years ago uh, down in Nashville when all the Western fans were throwing up, throwing their L's down? And you're like, wait a minute. Those are yeah. closet UK fans. Those aren't Western fans. That's what most Western fans yeah, are. That's, that's kind of what I think about Alex. Wildcat Dude, Alex is what he WKU. is. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Wildcat Alex. All right, man. Send the show to the the next. Let's, let's, let's get the hell bit. out of here with, with this. Um, you know, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic, but I also want to keep people. You know, I want to keep us as close to what reality is as possible. Not right five now. A win over, given the situation, the win and the way that they won tonight over Western Kentucky is nothing short of of excellent. It's excellent. I mean, let's let's say it how it is. It is very, very good. But one win out of 10 games after getting pummeled for a month straight is not going to put me in, you know, overall in any sort of better mood. With that being said, I feel like they kind of cleansed themselves of the nastiness that was the lack of effort, the lack of hustle, the lack of heart and everything else associated with that. Now let's see if they can continue that. Let's see, you know, this is Kenny Payne's first real big moment, right? This is his opportunity to string together some wins to make them look like a competent team for, you know, maybe the next couple of weeks and head into a game against Kentucky where you're at least feeling like you can not, compete. not even that you have a chance, but that you can at least show up and be respectable and, and, Prior to tonight, I did not think that that was a possibility. No. So at least we have that going for us, and at least we have something to potentially look forward to for this this the rest of this season. All right, last question before we get out of here: What does the spread open with against Florida A&M on Saturday? I think Louisville will be a nine and a half point favorite. Okay, I would take Louisville to cover that. Little covers nine and a half against Florida AM or I mean, if they brought the same energy, yeah, they'd win by 30. Absolutely. Florida, Florida AM is a terrible team. They're wearing the new LeBron Again, now. So I don't know if you read so very quickly. Uh WDRB, they were running out of out of ideas, as we all were, of, of ways to describe and and understand and put into context how bad this team was. And so they reached out to local and national media members and, and people around the Cal program and basically asked people if Louisville and, and California played on a neutral site today, who would win? And almost every single person, almost unanimous, unanimously, people chose Cal. And you know the reason that everyone said that they chose California to win? Did they trust Mark Fox more than no. Kenny Payne? No, not at all. It's because they knew 
that that even though Cal was the lesser team, that they were less talented, they knew that Cal at least tried. And that's what people said. And that's not the reputation that you would ever want a Louisville team to have. If you said five years ago, if you said 10 years ago, 15 years ago, that at some point there would be a team that we would be in that situation, you would you would think that that's just insane talk, right? But it's the reality of the situation is that people thought that the worst team in the country would beat Louisville because at least the worst team in the country would try. That's pretty damning, Jake. It is. It is. But with all that Saturday. tonight, the team that we saw against Western Kentucky, a solid Western Kentucky team, a potential tournament team in Western Kentucky, what we saw was potential. What we saw was hope, you know, optimism. We saw, we saw something that we never thought that we would expect to see this season. That's huge. And if they can continue that momentum, if they can win handily against Florida A&M, if they can beat Lipscomb, all of a sudden you're looking at a potential season turnaround. And that's something that three, four hours ago, I never would have expected. So uh, until next time, Presley Meyer, Jacob Blaine, what a good pod. Uh, let's let's get out of here. Let's do it again sometime soon. I'm going to bed. Go cards. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.